Unfriended. This week's episode covers friendships and when they break down and how to overcome and be okay. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And you know what got me started? What made sure my voice got out there? It was Anchor. And why did I choose Anchor to host my podcast? Well, easy. It was free. And they have all these amazing tools built right into the app. So it's really easy to get started and get your voice out there. And the best part, they make sure to distribute your podcast everywhere it needs to go, like Apple, Google, Spotify, and so much more. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Listening to Musings of a Modern Muslim with Freeney. Episode 14 Friendship Failure. People are creatures wanting connection. We all need it. Relationships are important to us. There are so many relationships that we are a part of, and there are countless magazines, articles, quizzes set to test how great your relationship is with your spouse or partner or uh, how you and your kids are doing or how your relationship is with your boss, your co-worker, whatever. But there's very few quizzes, check markers for friendships. How is your relationship with your friends? And many of us kind of never think about it because relationship with friends should be something that's kind of easy. You just fits like a glove. So you don't have to think about it too much, right? Well, this pandemic is testing a lot of relationships. And I really feel friendships are being tested triple. Not all friendships. We talk about friends a lot when we're kids and how kids have to make friends and keep friends and all that. But we don't really discuss it in adult setting. How do we keep friends? How do we work with friends? And how do we even deal after breaking up with friends? So that's what this episode is about. And if you've noticed recently, I've been having a lot of guests join me, counselors and therapists for MAPS, which is the Muslim Association for Psychological Services. It's an online resource. It's based here in Dallas, but it is a resource to help you find a counselor who fits your specific criteria. So do check them out. But I have joining me today is Maryam Kehan, and we will be talking about friendships and the relationships of how to deal with friendships and what to do when they don't work out. So take a listen. Thank you, Maryam, for being here on Musings of a Modern Muslim, and welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for taking the time, because you know these subjects are coming up with this pandemic in full swing and things changing daily. There's new items every day. We are really, a lot of people are staying at home and working on their relationships. But there's one relationship that we don't talk about. Every other relationship gets sections in magazines. There's articles galore talking about and calculating how your relationship with your spouse, your family and kids, how they're going, how to be best friends with your mother-in-law. There's, you know, such a plethora of things out there. But there aren't that many about friends. There's a sense of blind dependability uh, to friendships. There is this overarching thought that your friends are one of the relationships you really shouldn't have to work on. It should just come easy. This is not true, is it? Uh, I don't think so. And I think you're absolutely right. People feel like they shouldn't have to work on their friendships. They either work or they don't work. Mm -hmm. And um, I think people have this idea that their uh, friends should like them for who they are, which is true. 
But liking someone for who they are is different from liking the way they treat you or from tolerating certain behaviors from them. So sometimes mm-hmm. people uh, have issues in friendships and they bring them up with their friends, but um, the other person automatically gets defensive and uh, they go into this thought process that, um, well, they should like me the way I am. If they don't, I don't need them anyway, and they end the friendship. They're so yeah. quick to end the friendship. And then there's yeah. this other um, issue that we haven't really learned how to navigate relationship issues in friendships like sometimes okay people realize they exist and they want to work on them but they don't necessarily know how to and um i can give you an example you know people enter uh friendships with different agendas some people may want a very deep connection somebody else may want a very shallow you know superficial casual friendship and when people from these two groups become friends Um, after a while, they start having problems. The person who wanted more connection, they may view uh, their friend as being um, unavailable or dismissive or even arrogant. They may start thinking, okay, they think they're too good for me. Why aren't they answering my calls? Why aren't they uh, meeting with me? So they go down this uh, thought process that um, there's something malicious going on. And then mm-hmm. on the other side, you know, the person who was looking for a casual friendship, they may view their friend as being pushy or needy, overbearing. But on both sides, instead of like addressing the issue in a healthy way, they try other things. So the person who may feel like they're being pushed, they may try what they call like ghosting the friend. So they yeah, yeah. and um they uh, try to limit their relationship with them, which is obviously in a very damaging to the friendship. So, yeah, you know, all these aspects playing into it. Yeah, definitely. And and you see how, again, like you just said earlier, where it's just this all or none type mentality, where if you're my friend, you like everything I do. And if you're not my friend, then it doesn't matter because you shouldn't have to worry about me anyways. But what about when... Uh, in this time when the pandemic is definitely taking a toll, not just on all relationships, but friendships. I personally believe that any other relationship in life is conditional. Like a spouse is a conditional relationship, your friends, your co-workers, everything besides parent to child. Do you agree with that? Uh, I do, definitely. You know, with a lot of uh, relationships, we can define the parameters. We can define like what we are expecting and what we are willing to give. And the I think Mm -hmm. the only one that is, I guess, universally defined is the parent-child relationship. Other than that, people have different expectations. And when those expectations don't match, uh, they start having problems. Definitely. So as a professional, do you see cases of people seeking you out for breakdowns in friendships? I know you said that you are a family counselor, so you, I'm sure, see marriage and children and all that. But what about friendships? And especially during this pandemic, when many relationships, again, are being tested? Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, I would say that I did. But, um, you know, as we talked about before, um, people feel like they shouldn't have to put that much work into friendships. So if they are at the point that they require therapy, it's not worth it. So they end their relationship. And, you know, sometimes they're right. You know, some uh, friendships may not be worth the effort, but... um, 
sometimes people are quick to end the ones that are yeah yeah no definitely you're right um i i don't think i've ever heard of anyone saying that oh me and my friend are not getting along so let's go to a therapist and figure this out because again i think it and not to put it all into one big box but i i also think that you may want to put more effort into a spouse because that's a partnership based on many factors so you're like okay if me and my husband are having problems we're gonna go see a therapist but whereas with friends you might feel like well you know what maybe we're just on different playing fields and that's just the way it is people in general are social creatures and we fear loneliness i I, even the introverts they they're not loners they just are more introverted with their feelings but everyone needs or wants someone in their life be it a friend or spouse or whatever so do you think many become friends because it's the convenient option uh for example let's say you're living in a small city and you find a group of friends and that's the only option you have but then also in a metro city like dallas new york boston all these big places is there a reason that people just become friends because it's convenient and are there such thing as unmatched friends uh- Definitely. You know, we live in a very fast-paced world. And um, the reality is that most people are very busy with their families and jobs, careers, um, issues that life throws at them. So they don't always have the time or the opportunity to put themselves um, within the circles of like-minded people, I guess. So, Uh you know, you meet friends randomly. You meet them through a mutual friend or maybe you share an interest or you may take a class with someone. And um, I think in most cases when people have fundamental differences, those friendships end up dying out over time. But times um, there are these maybe smaller issues, but they're still important that people tend to ignore because um, I mean, that's their only opportunity to have that connection with someone. So they're not the luxury yeah. of saying, well, I'm just not going to friends with these group of people because we don't match on certain uh, qualities or attributes. Yeah. And I think that's when people end up drifting apart as well, that you may have made a friend based on a convenient time or meetup. And then eventually you figure out that, hey, wait a minute, maybe we're not actually similar. Doesn't mean we're breaking up. We're just different people. So we'll keep it to an acquaintanceship. And, oh, this other group of people is more like me. So I'm going to become more friendly with them. I think that's when people start feeling the friction, especially if it's only a one-sided thing where one person is drifting away and the other one is still kind of, really invested in the relationship that no we're friends we're supposed to be friends how how come you left me and went went with them type of situation yeah that's difficult you know compatibility usually um causes a deeper connection and people don't have that as much as they try to force friendships um they usually don't end up going anywhere yeah definitely and then when adult friends let's say break up and i put that in air quotes break up how is it harder to deal in comparison to kids breaking friendships you know i think uh all goes back to what we are expecting out of our friendships uh when we start them and then how we handle them once issues come up so kids um they have minimal expectations as long as they can play with another kid and they have some shared interests and they're not like actively being hurt by their friends, they're fine. 
you know, with adults, um, mm -hmm. it's different. It's um, we take all of those, you know, baggages from previous relationships, even with uh, connections that we made as kids. We take all of those into friendships. Mm -hmm. So um, when they don't work out, we respond differently. I like how you put that because it makes it seem that actually kids are more forgiving and adults are more. So it's, it's, it's weird because it's like a role reversal where we're as adults behaving more childishly, whereas kids being children are behaving more adult because they're like, okay, we're going to play with someone else today. That's fine. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Kids, I just think don't take those uh, things as personal attacks. They just see it. You know, I'm yeah. not having so much fun playing with this kid, so I'm going to go play with another kid. But adults yeah. uh, take uh, those issues as rejection and personal attacks, and they react based on that. And it can yeah. really go downhill from there. I think it goes back to the word loyalty, where adults expect this kind of loyalty from their friends, whereas kids may expect like some sort of, you know, a part of loyalty, but they're okay with also kind of moving along and being more fluid with their friendships. Like, okay, we can be friends with someone else today and tomorrow we'll be back with the other friend and it's okay. It's all back to normal. That's yes. very interesting. I'm, I'm very happy you brought that point up. And then kids in their innocence are more forgiving, whereas adults don't easily forget and can hold grudges for long periods. I know of people who've held grudges for 15 years, which is just insane sounding, but I know people like that. How can people who decide to end their friendship be it if they're ending them mutually or because of something happened, whatever reason they, they have ended their friendship, how can they continue to move and be in the same society without resorting to public shaming, fighting, or letting outwardly people know that, hey, these two have a problem? Because I'm sure you have friends like that, and I do too, where it's like, okay, you know that they don't get along, so you kind of avoid keeping them in the same room. But that's also a lot of work for someone else. To always plan events or functions or something, thinking that, oh, well, if that person comes in, this one won't come. And if this one comes, that one won't come. It's a lot of pressure, I think, to put on society. So how can adults, when they end their friendship, be adults in society and continue to function? Uh, you know, this makes me think about a um, therapy method that some therapists use, including me. It's called family systems theory. And um, it's about family relationships, as the name tells you, but it can also be applied to friendships. And one of the concepts in this theory is uh, called differentiation. And um, not to get like too technical, but um, one of the ways that it's defined is um, a person's ability to be able to maintain some kind of connection or some kind of relationship with the people they don't like without having to completely cut them out of their lives. Uh, in this uh, particular theory, there are two different extremes in relationships. One is enmeshment, where people have absolutely no boundaries with each other and they're in each other's business all the time. And that's not considered healthy. And then the other side is um, cut off, I mean, completely cutting people you don't like out of your life and that's not healthy mm. either because like you said it takes a lot of emotional and physical energy to do that and just to hold that much negative emotion for somebody that can harm you and it take uh takes energy from the other aspects of your life that you can put it into so it 
differentiated person based on that theory is yeah. able to maintain some level of relationship, whether it's just, you know, saying hi or being polite or just being able to be in the presence of somebody else. Uh, and they're able to have their boundaries, but they don't have this need to not even see that person or talk to them. And it takes a lot of, it's not easy. It takes a lot of practice yeah. and I guess uh, maturity. If we don't like somebody, we don't have to yell at them or, you know, we talked about kids before. We don't have to play on, on the opposite sides of the playground. <laughs> we can still, we are adults. We can uh, control ourselves, both our behavior and also internally our emotions. Yeah. And uh, we can uh, behave based on that as opposed to, you know, jumping into action and trying to make it known to everybody how we feel about a certain individual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so just, just behave more like adults, like how we tell ourselves, like, we're adults. Let's behave that way. So even if you have an ex-friend in an event, you can still say hello and how are you? How is your family doing? You can still be very cordial, but yeah. then doesn't mean you're best friends again. You can just say, okay, how are you? How are your kids? I hope everything's going well. Nice to see you. Move along. And that's it. But I think people take this into an ego, like an ego issue that, no, we're not friends, so I'm not even going to look at that person. Yeah, as long as we practice basic human decency, like that's the minimum requirement. That's yeah. what everybody can ask of us. Beyond, yeah. we don't have to like anyone or have a relationship with them, but the minimum requirement to be in a society is to behave. Behave. <laughs> <laughs> behave, behave, just behave. I think just behave, period, and that's it. And then the next question, because this country is very vast and it's full of people, and it's huge, so even if you have family close by, or uh, no family at all in the country, many times your friends, your group of friends becomes family. And like how you said with the enmeshed, where people are very close, they do everything together, they're at each other's houses, they're meeting up very constantly as a family. And then let's say something breaks down in one of those situations where you are so enmeshed in each other, where you are very close. Mm -hmm. I know of people who, um, if, since their parents can be during their child's delivery, they had their friends in the room. So it's it's very enmeshed, very entrenched in each other. And then I know someone who was so close to their friends. And when that relationship broke down, it broke down badly. The person was so affected that they attempted self-harm. Is this because the expectancy for loyalty was paramount, where it was expected that, you know, you are supposed to be loyal to me. And when that deliverance didn't come in loyalty, this person considered self-harm. Is this something normal or is this a sign of something underlying deeper or what, how would you explain this as a, as a counselor? I think it definitely goes deeper. Um, you know, we can say that they, uh, your friend and uh, their friends, they had different expectations when they entered that friendship uh -huh. uh, having that strong of a reaction to breakup of a friendship, it goes uh, really deep. And one of the things that come to my mind is um, kids' uh, relationships with their caregivers when they're growing up with their parents and how strong and secure those attachments are. You know, when yes. people um, 
grow up with secure attachments, they have a very strong sense of who they are. And uh, when they enter relationships, they are very clear on what they can offer and what they want to get out of those relationships. But when people grow up in abusive or neglectful households, whether they're neglected physically or emotionally, sometimes they develop um, insecure attachments. And all their lives, even as adults, they're looking for what they could never find as a child, you know, what they're missing. And they enter relationships or friendships. You know, this happens a lot in romantic relationships too, but it happens in friendships as well. Um, When they enter these relationships, their expectations are completely different from what that relationship is designed to provide. And yeah, the other person may have no idea of uh, what they're expected of them. And once they start to figure it out, a lot of times they start pulling away, which is viewed by um, yeah the other friend as abandonment, and yeah, you know, start having problems from there. And you know, having that connection for them is like a like uh, a lifeline, like that I need this, and if I don't have it. I'm not worth it in some way, shape, or form. So involved in that relationship, that without that relationship, there's no you, basically. So when the relationship dissolves, they just can't live with themselves. I, you see this in romantic relationships and sometimes also in friendships, that when they end, uh, people attempt uh, harming themselves. Yeah, and, and that to that person or anyone feeling that way, I would say, you know, talk to someone, be it someone unbiased or a counselor or therapist reach out to someone because those feelings are are not good and and they're not positive so you need to check them out and make sure that what you're feeling can be addressed i mean relationships Mm -hmm. in everyone's life there will be some relationship that breaks down be it with your you know friends with a spouse with a parent with a child we will all go through that and there there is of course pain involved with that you feel extreme heartbreak and pain but you should also learn to kind of come through it instead of going into this hole where you start thinking of harming yourself or thinking yourself as worthless or useless or anything negative. Yeah, definitely. You know, there are certainly some uh, wounds that need to be healed because when people enter relationships or friendships with those kind of attachment needs, actually relationships are more likely to break off. Mm, yes they're not designed to provide that kind of uh, support or meet those kind of needs yeah definitely and I think uh, it's that it goes back to the whole idea of expectancy that if you have extremely high expectations you're probably gonna get burned and um, what I tell people all the time whenever someone approaches and I'm not professional but people do sometimes feel you know I guess I have a soothing voice to some people. I don't think so, but people think I have a soothing voice. So they come and talk to me. They're like, well, this happened, that happened. And I tell them that, you know, expecting someone to stand up for you is something people should not do. Like, I personally don't do that. I used to, Mariam, where I would expect people that, oh, this person knows me, they'll stand up for me. And I've learned the hard way that no one really stands up for anyone unless it is something 
like these big movements that are happening now where I feel that, you know, of course, this is like a whole society is making different changes now, but expecting someone to stand, stand up for you and defend you, you should be kind of doing that yourself. You shouldn't put that on other people. That's also, I think, an unfair expectancy that many people put on their friends, that if something goes wrong, you're going to defend me. Well, no, they might not feel comfortable. They might be doubtful or whatever reason. So what do you think on that, that this expectancy of standing up for me or being my defense? Um, yeah, and yeah, sometimes relationships uh, give you that. Sometimes they don't. But how you deal with it, I think um, that's really important. If people go into relationships with um, a secure sense of who they are, when they don't get certain needs met, such as people standing up for them, they can view that objectively and say, well, maybe you know they were not able to, or maybe this situation wasn't appropriate for that kind of response. And um, they, it doesn't reflect on their sense of self-worth. But when that sense of identity is already um, shaky, somebody not standing up for you means, like I said, abandonment or a pers- uh, personal attack. It reflects mm. on whether you're worthy of people standing up for you or not. And ah, you can point downhill from there. This, this, I think, goes back to the idea that you have to be pretty confident in yourself. So you need to build self-confidence and self-awareness that, okay, there are certain things people will do and not do. And there are certain things I can do and not do. So keep that, I think, as a image in your head at all times that, but I am worth it. I am worth certain things. I am not a worthless human being. No one's worthless. I think everyone has to do a little bit of like, you know, self uh, cheerleading. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm a good person. Yeah. When you're clear on that, then what people do or don't do uh, doesn't influence you as much. Yeah, true. And then a question I just thought of while we're talking, what if let's say a person, um, a relationship breaks down and both parties, the relationship's broken. Let's say they're no longer friends. They've separated their ways. They've, you know, unfriended each other. They're no, no longer part of each other's stratosphere. But they both equally realize that, oh, we made some mistakes. But because the relationship is now damaged, and honestly, Mariam, in, in this day and age, in this world of social media, I feel that when people unfriend each other, it's like the biggest sign that, okay, we are done. We are no longer ever possible. I know people who are not friends, but they're still Facebook friends or follow each other on Instagram or Twitter or whatnot. But then there are people who choose to be like, okay, you know what? I am so done with this person that I no longer want to see anything about them. They are completely broken. But let's say in their own time, with time, you know how they say time, you know, makes you think and makes you heal. And you realize, you know what? I made some mistakes in this friendship equally. Both sides made mistakes, but now the relationship is so damaged. Even if they apologize, do you think you can go back to a place where it used to be? Or is it, has it been damaged so badly that, it cannot happen. You know, as a marriage and family therapist, I like to think that uh, no relationship is damaged beyond uh, recovery. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, usually in marital therapy, one of the biggest things that can happen is infidelity. And uh, I see people come back from that all the time. So, mm. um, friendships are definitely, they can be salvaged. Um, one of the requirements, no matter what kind of relationship we're talking about, is 
both parties' uh, willingness to look at themselves, do their own individual work, and also be willing to put in put in the time and effort into fixing the relationship. Mm-hmm. As they're both willing and they're both willing to put their egos aside and admit to how they have contributed to the mess they created. Uh, I think, yeah, they they can definitely go back. So there's always a way back. Yes, but you know, like we talked about before, people tend to think that friendships are not worth putting in that much time and effort. So yeah, you rarely see people actually do that. I think it's a it's a good hopeful way of thinking that you know there's always a way back. There's you know nothing is permanently damaged. If you're saying especially that you deal with relationships where people have you know are victim to infidelity, which is, I think, like one of those things that you would think that ends permanently. Yeah. But if there is that hope, maybe, yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, and, and another question that just came into my head right now is what if you have friends and it's a disbalanced friendship where one person feels like they're putting in their all? I touched on this a little bit earlier where they're putting in their all. They will even, let's say if they're even cooking something, they make sure that their friend gets an extra bit. and let's say they're just giving their 110% to this friendship, but they're not receiving that, the same thing. I know we hear this a lot that, oh, it should all be about giving, don't worry about receiving. But do you think that in this, it needs to be a two-way street? And how does someone talk about that or balance that, that I feel like I'm giving 110% and you're only bringing 20% to the table, or I might be the person giving 20%, whereas someone is giving me 110%. How do you, you know, discuss that? And bring that topic about. So usually when someone is giving more than they need to, there is a pattern. So you look into their different relationships and they're usually doing this in multiple relationships, not just. Mm. And then you go deeper and try to figure out why. You know, most people, they don't like to put on extra, uh, I mean, bring on extra work for themselves. So there is a reason that they're doing it. Either they are benefiting from it somehow or um, they just feel like it's their duty to always give and give and give and never expect anything to return. And neither one of them are healthy. And then always, uh, always people who like to take more than they give. And, yes. you know, that may go back to how they were raised or some life experiences. And the interesting thing is that these two groups of people often find each other. It happens <laughs> and it happens a lot in marriage, actually, that uh, it's not a coincidence that you see this pattern over and over in relationships because people who feel like they need to give, they're looking for someone who wants to take, even if they complain about it, they may not like yeah. it but they have the need to provide that service and people who want to take that, they look for people who give it, you know, for givers, givers and takers. Yeah. And and like any relationship, I think that also happens in friends, but yeah, hopefully people can realize that and be like, Hey, wait a minute, I'm giving too much. Maybe I should learn to back off a little bit and still, you know, maintain friendships. Like, why do I feel the need to always give? I think it goes back to the same idea of building self-confidence. I think maybe sometimes people 
feel this yeah. lack of confidence and they feel like, well, if I don't give, then this person will no longer want me and then I'll be left alone. And then I'm again, the fear of loneliness comes into that too. It all, it kind of all works together, doesn't it? Where this fear of loneliness, if I yeah. don't give my 110%, then this person will no longer be my friend anymore. And then I'll feel lonely. And then what will I do? And then I'm useless. Yeah, they feel like pressure to put in more effort, but it's exhausting. And um, usually they're not happy. So at some point, uh, things are going to explode. Mm. They get to the breaking point and things will fall apart. And then they're left feeling like, oh, I put in so much effort and they didn't appreciate it. Definitely. I think it goes back to self-confidence over and over, like build that in yourself so that you don't feel this effort. Because I think friendship should be effortless. Going back to the whole idea that, you know, you only give it so much, but it should some be something that you mutually want, that you mutually seek each other out. If you feel like you're the only one doing everything, then there's a problem. And if someone who's like, well, you know, this person keeps calling me, but I never respond to them. Maybe you should also check in yourself that, am I really vested in this friendship? And I think you have to learn to define your friendships. Like what is a close friend? What is a friend? What is a mutual acquaintance? What is someone who's just simply an acquaintance or someone you just know from your community? Each person, you can't say that everyone's my friend because that's not possible. You know a lot of people, but you can't be friends with every single one of them. So what is the middle ground? where one can mentally uh, be so that they're okay living alongside past friends. Like we said, you know, behaving like adults without causing issues, but also okay in themselves and accepting that things have changed. Let's say you're even a, a friendship has broken up. You've tried to discuss it. You've, you've talked, you've realized that both of you made mistakes. You apologize, but you still think that, you know what? There was a lot of hurt and feelings involved and I've kind of grown it's been a while, so I've kind of grown apart and I'm, I'm doing okay. So we'll just be acquaintances. But how can you truly be okay with that? I'm kind of thinking out loud and saying at the same time that what if you do have a breakdown in a relationship, you try to mend it, it doesn't mend. But you still have to live in the same community, society. You're going to see them all the time. How do you deal with it and not let it come out? This actually kind of brings in everything we have been talking about you know, friend um, relationships, including friendships, they cause problems when uh, people feel like their egos or their sense of self-worth is being attacked. And uh, when you take that aside, when you actually arrive at the place to be able to say, you know, that friendship didn't work, it doesn't mean there is something wrong with me and it doesn't necessarily mean there is something wrong with them. And just because two people cannot be in a relationship or a friendship together, it doesn't reflect negatively on either one of them. And okay, Mm -hmm. you don't even want to go that far. You want to say there's nothing wrong with me and there's everything wrong with them. (laughs) Still, you are worth having peace of mind and you're worth spending your energy and time on the areas of your life that you enjoy spending those resources. So just giving yourself uh, enough credit to know that you deserve to be at peace, um, that should help to get, get you to that point of being able to just leave things the way they are 
mm-hmm. putting any more effort into it positively or negatively and move on. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that was going to be my next question. Like what advice can you give listeners? But I think that is it where you, again, it goes back to the whole self-confidence and building yourself up that there are some, some things. And even also recognizing that you may have made a mistake in the friendship and saying that, you know what, that was my fault. And even if you apologize for it and it still doesn't fix itself, that's fine. You've at least done your part and you've recognized that, okay, this was my mistake and I'm going to be more conscious about it so that in another friendship, it doesn't happen again. And whatever that hangup of yours is, either you're a giver or a taker or you're a yeller or a screamer, but also what do you think about people who do take these drastic measures as the ones where I mentioned earlier, where they just, what is this symbolizing? Like, what is this mentally saying to someone if they unfriend you, unfollow you, kind of block you? Like they have completely decided that, no, this is not worth it anymore. What what message is that sending to the person who's on the receiving end of this? I think if they just uh, unfriend someone or block someone, that's, I guess, their own business. It's the kind of boundary that they want to set for whatever reason. That's something that they need. For the person at the receiving end of it, again, if they are comfortable with who they are and what they bring to the table, they can view that as, you know, for whatever reason, that person doesn't want to be in a relationship with me right now. And I'm okay with that. But, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. people go beyond that and they try to be vicious and they actually hurt whoever that they don't like. That's a whole different um, box of issues. Mm -hmm. It also goes back to um, confidence and viewing um, things as personal attacks. Yeah, I mean, it's it it, notice how everything goes back to confidence. I think if you have more confidence in yourself. And I think confidence is something you constantly have to build without becoming overconfident. Like, okay, I'm the best thing in the world. So why wouldn't you want to be friends with me? So you shouldn't get to that point, but you should be at a point where, okay, you know what? I have my faults, but overall I'm a good friend to have. Very good point. Because um, sometimes I think people confuse confidence with arrogance confidence doesn't mean that you think you're perfect and you don't need to change anything about yourself. It means you know who you are, you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you're willing to work on whatever you consider a weakness. But as a whole, you consider yourself uh, a worthy person, as opposed to being arrogant and thinking that, you know, I'm perfect the way I am. And if people don't like it, then it's not my problem. I know this is an episode about friendships, but we also have to think that I'm part of this relationship too. In a friendship, I'm part of it. So always work on myself. Always evaluate your friendships. And you know what? We all go into these things, even when kids in kindergarten, they think, oh, I'm going to be best friends with this person forever. And when they get, you know, the next year and the following year, friends drift apart, they come back together. It's how many stories have been made about this, where people drift apart, they come together, they drift apart. It's, I think, just a part of life. So you have to just be aware of it, that this may happen, that whoever is your best friend right now may not be your best, best friend in two years because whatever reason, and then they come back. I just think that making drastic measures as the cutoff measure that you said, like totally cutting off, it 
closes that door, that hopeful door that you had mentioned, where you can kind of go back. If you do a complete cutoff, you like just the word says you've cut them off. Like, I don't want to do anything with you. It, it, it limits that hope. Whereas if you learn to be cordial and behave like adults, that hope is still there. That anytime, maybe when, whenever you need them, you never know who you might need, need in life. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. That hope is very important. So any final um, advice you want to give to listeners besides building your own conference before we end this? When it comes to friendship, just to keep in mind that people have different needs and they're at different points in their lives. So just because one doesn't work out, it doesn't mean there is uh, something wrong with you or with them. And, you know, it's important to know ourselves and know our own boundaries, but also respect other people's boundaries. Mm -hmm. And uh, if they need to put some up for us, for whatever reason, they need that in their lives and we can wish them well and move on. Wish them well and move on. Well said. Perfectly said. Thank you again so much, Mariam, for taking the time to do this because I think it is something that we should be talking about more is friendships as well as any other relationship because they're as important in our lives. So thank you again for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that was that, everyone. Thank you for listening. The biggest takeaway I have from this is build some self-confidence. I know I mentioned that a few times during the interview and I'm all about building your own self-confidence, being okay in yourself. You have to be your own best friend. If you love you, there's no way possible that everyone else cannot love you. So give yourself a little break, pat yourself on the back, do the best you can, and please make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Do follow us on Instagram at the Mod Muslim and make sure to email me. Let me know what's up. All that information is at the end of the episode. My kids will tell you. But please, if you take a moment to rate the podcast, I would appreciate it. Thank you again, everyone. Until next time, take care. Make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. You can follow mom on Instagram at the mod Muslim. You can email her at the mod Muslim at gmail.com.